But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city, and he sat east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there, and he sat under it in the shade, till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant, and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head, to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, hang on, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Trying all kinds of new stuff today. Watch out. I even have a new pulpit because I couldn't find the other one. I'm sure they're using that for the swim meet also. Praise the Lord. All right, so today we are concluding Jonah. It's a little sad for me. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, it has been a joyous romp through this beautiful flowery field known as Jonah. Um, And uh, as a reminder, before we dive into Jonah, we are going to be um, starting a new series. But next week, before we start the new series, my father-in-law, who's been teaching Uh, in a church for 35 years is going to be uh, preaching next week. So I'm excited about that. His name, his name's Kevin Wilson. Obviously Christy's maiden name was Wilson. And so he'll be with us next week. And then after that, the following week, I'll be back up to preach and we'll start the book of, how'd you, oh yeah, it was in the, (laughs) thought I was going to be surprised. The book of James. (laughs) Uh, and we're going to look at how James is a guidebook for faith. So get excited. Okay, so let's conclude then Jonah. I love this conclusion. It is the story of what I'm calling the gourd. That's what most scholars agree the plant is that grew up over him while he was in the hot sun outside waiting for the city of Nineveh to be burned up or explode. That's what he was hoping 
Uh, the Lord had other plans. Y'all, I don't know if you noticed, but at the beginning of chapter 4, Jonah starts out by saying, God, I know who you are. Did you catch that? He's like, the reason I ran from you, the reason I cut tail and headed to Tarshish is because I know you. You're a God who's merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And, and here's, here's God's response in chapter 4, but also chapter 2, really also chapter 1 and 3. Jonah, do you really? I really, I mean, I think that's behind the questions God asks him about, do you do well to be angry? It's God being incredibly gentle with him and saying, do you really know me? You can say these words. You are a prophet. You grew up in the church. You have been taught the word of God. You had to go to class after class after class about learning about my word, about who I am. But do you know me? That's the question I want to leave in front of us today. I don't know how much knowledge in your head you have about God, but do you know God? Do you know how he operates? And we know from the story of Jonah that sometimes he has to wake us up a little bit. That he has to remind us that sometimes our head knowledge is not necessarily working its way all the way into our heart. So let's look at that today. Chapter 2 of Jonah was about God helping the grace that he gives to work its way from Jonah's head to his heart. He had to throw him in the ocean. He had to send a big fish to swallow him. And then at the very end of chapter 2, Jonah begins to get it. He's like, hmm, okay. So you let me in. I don't know if you remember that sermon from a few weeks ago, but it was this idea that God is this unobligated giver and he's giving his grace to an undeserving person and he is falling in love with that grace. He's being let into the very presence of God. And it changed Jonah. It did. For a couple days. <laughs> and, then, and then here we are with him in chapter 4 and he is setting up shop to wait for, to hope for, the destruction of Nineveh. But God has one more lesson to teach him, and I think it's a lesson that we can all benefit from. In chapter 2, God was teaching Jonah about his grace. Here in chapter 4, God is teaching Jonah about his love. He's helping Jonah experientially grasp this love that he knows as a textbook in his head. He could say to you, Jonah could repeat to you the ways that God loves. He's slow to anger. He is merciful. God has this steadfast love that never leaves us. And yet, I want that town to burn. (laughs) There's a disconnect. And God knows this. And here's what's so cool. Because sometimes the disconnect is true for us also. True for me. I'll at least speak for myself. God is so unbelievably gentle with Jonah. He's like, you don't get it yet, but I'm going to help you. And so he says to the ground right near where Jonah is, got his little, he's got his little hut set up. He's got the stones all laid up around him. Checks out his window every hour to see, have the fireballs started to rain down from heaven on that horrible city of Nineveh. And God sends this little thing to sprout up over him. Now, it's a bigger deal than in Charlottesville. If you were sitting outside today and a plant sprouted up over you to give you a little shade, you'd be like, whatever. I'll just go to that tree over there. 
Okay, y'all, there aren't trees uh, near Nineveh. There, it is a barren landscape, and it is a really big deal to have even the smallest amount of shade. You would easily get dehydrated and die within a pretty quick amount of time in this particular area. A gourd plant, which is what we think this is, and I, it just rhymes. That's why I used it. Uh, the gourd of grace, I called it, or grace in the gourd. Um, is a plant that grew up over him, and he gets really excited about it. And that's the first thing that um, I think God is teaching him about his love. If you're a note taker, point one is about this very thing. The gourd grows. The gourd grows. And Jonah, it says Jonah, just as, the, as he was exceedingly angry about the fact that God was gracious to Nineveh, he's also exceedingly glad about the fact that there is this plant growing up to give him a little bit of shade. Now God is going to compare that plant to his love for Nineveh. And what God is getting across, both to Jonah and I think to us, is the fact that his love is personal. I don't know if you've ever pondered this, or I don't know if you've ever really like let this one get in down into the heart from the head, but God's love is personal. I had a conversation in the coffee shop at Millie Joe Coffee. It's my favorite place. It's a philosopher's paradise. Uh, and I'm having, this, I'm having this conversation at the bar up there where they you know, make the coffee, and there's this guy I'm talking to, and he's, he's in the science camp. He loves science, uh, which I do too. And so we hit it off right away because he's like, you know, the universe is expanding. And I'm like, yeah, I totally agree. Yes. Things are getting, spreading apart. And there's this thing that we feel, all of us, this decay. The universe is getting colder. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. And, you know, and he says, but the one thing that makes a difference is that life doesn't do that. I was like, let's talk about that. And he's like, well, life, you know, brings molecules together. Atoms come together to form something. I was like, yes, absolutely, science. I love science. And, I was, and we start talking about how this is so cool and how, you know, things, things that are alive are healthy and bring together. And the world isn't spreading apart and getting divisive and everybody's not fighting anymore because life does that. I was like, well, what's life? He's like, it's a thing. And, and so we, we, we kind of stopped there. And I was like, you know what? I think one of the main differences between our viewpoints, and I'm agreeing with almost all of what you're saying, that there is this, there is this spreading, there's this, this dissipation of things, and that there is a, a life brings things together. I said, I, I believe behind the universe is a person. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Uh, and the conversation, it was great. We, we, can, we went on many rabbit trails from there, but... I hadn't started really prepping for the sermon at that point. And it just came to me as I was looking at it. I'm like, you know, that is the most important starting point for understanding the love of God. And it's what God is trying to get across to Jonah here. Jonah's like, I have a relationship with this gourd. I, I mean, he's literally coming to God and being like, I love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. You love anything in your life that's not a human being? I do. Coffee. <laughs> I love, 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 love it. Smartphones, love them. Y'all, there is this sense in which God, as he compares the city of Nineveh to this gourd, he is saying, God is saying, 
I love people. I really do. Like, it's not just this theoretical concept of, like, God is the power behind the universe and a force that moves within our lives. He's like, no, I love, like, real people everywhere. I love the city of Nineveh. They're super confused. They don't know right from wrong. But I still love them and I want to bring them back to myself. Because this is the kind of God I am. And again, Jonah can repeat this phrase. He can say, you are a God who is merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But he doesn't get it. He doesn't really know and understand in his heart that God loves people. And you can't just walk outside and look at the person who cut you off in traffic and be like, burn them down! (laughs) Right? Because, I mean, that's essentially what Jonah's doing. He's like, the city of Nineveh, they've hurt Israel and will probably continue to hurt the nation of Israel. And I'm a patriot. I love the nation of Israel. So, burn them down. And God's like, I love everybody. Not just a select few. You've got to get this through your naga, Jonah. Now, we're going to unpack the application and the implications for what that means for us a little bit later in the sermon. But I want to just leave us at that point with the first part. Y'all, it's really, really important for us to get that one. Later in the passage, it says, God, of course, being super gentle, super loving, super persistent of Jonah, says, Jonah, you, Jonah, I just love it. God talks to him so gently. He's like, Jonah, you, you had pity on the gourd plant. Can you grant me a little pity for the city of Nineveh? You, you have a personal relationship. It says the word pity can also be translated concern. And I like that word even better. I looked it up in the dictionary. Concern. To have an influence on or to involve. To be a care, a trouble, or a distress. To be of importance. To matter. Marked interest or regard usually arising through a personal tie or relationship. I love people. I love you, Jonah. And I love these people. And you've got to let me love people. Let me draw you in to my love. Now, I... I was reminded also of this passage from Jeremiah. It says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. He rejoices over us with singing. I don't know what you brought in here this morning. I don't know what you're feeling today. I don't know what you're thinking this morning. But this is my prayer earlier, and it's my prayer still. Would you open your heart, would, just for a little while, to God's love? That he, God loves you. Has it gotten in recently? He loves you. He wants really great things for you. He's at work actively in your life. It's exceptionally important for us to let it in. <laughs> to get it all the way down from up here into our heart. Okay. Now, God loves us. Got that point? The gourd, the gourd grows. We're seeing this personal relationship. This God is showing Jonah, you, just like you love that gourd plant, I really love people. And I really love you. But he also 
sends a worm. Okay, now let's catch this one. This one throws it for a loop a little bit. You ready? A worm comes and eats the base of the gourd plant, and it dies. And there's a strong, God sends a strong, hot wind. These things were horrible. If you've ever been to that part of the country and you've had a hot wind, it is absolutely, utterly miserable. Um, and so what's going on? What is God trying to teach Jonah by the plant dying so quickly and this hot wind coming to make him miserable? Some have called it this. The love of God is a refiner's fire. This is a tough one. Jonah's upset that he is having to wake up to God's love. But y'all, we, we have to understand that when God brings hard stuff into our lives, suffering and difficulty, it's not because he's trying to be mean. It's because he knows what we need and he grows us. Y'all, my boys, Andrew and Hunter, you guys are great, aren't you? If I allowed them from the moment they woke up in the morning to the moment they go to sleep at night, they would be content with a screen in front of them. Right? I mean, wouldn't you? Would you like to have the iPad all day? Oh, yeah. Um... But unfortunately, I don't allow that because I love them. It's not because I want to make them miserable. It's not because I want to make you miserable. It's not because I'm vindictive and I'm like, ah, give me the iPad back. I want to make you suffer. No. I love them and I love them a ton. And I know that iPad all day long is a bad, bad thing. I don't care what the scientists say. It's not good for your heart. Because I want you to know what, what human love is and what the love of God is. I have to do things in their life that they view as hard or difficult or taking away their comfort. Y'all, it's what we're seeing with God in his relation to Jonah in this very book. God does some really hard things to him. Did you notice? <laughs> he sends a storm that's going to make the boat sink and everyone's going to die. And they're like, well, let's throw this guy overboard. That's tough love. (laughs) So same thing's happening in this chapter. Some more tough love, right? God sends the worm to help the gourd die. But God knows, Jonah, Jonah, oh man, this one's tough. Because I don't like to say this to people, but I'm saying to myself first, okay, y'all? We are dense. We're really dense. I I don't think we're honestly all that different than Jonah. He's like, I'm not sure you get it, Jonah. I'm going to have to bring some tough stuff into your life to get this to sink in a little further. Talking about the persistence of God, I did some math. Okay? Now, Y'all, I love my kids, okay? I really do. I love my kids. So someday, I hope this doesn't damage them, but here's one more illustration about them. Um, how, how many times do you think they've disobeyed me? You want to take a guess, Hunter? I did a little math. How many times do you think you've disobeyed me? Just a guess. 
It's hard to come up with a number. So here's what I did. I said, plead the fifth. And I'm going to be very generous here. If it was every day of his life, he's 11 years old. Now, obviously, when he was like one year old, it doesn't count. But we're going to assume there's some, some days later on as they get older that's it's two or three times. Um, I calculated that it was about 4,000 times if it's one disobedience a day. How many of you guys have kids who have disobeyed once a day? Yep, that's what I thought. So 4,000. So what if I said, okay, at, at disobedience number... 850 your toast <laughs> I'm going to toss you out on the street it's just it's only fair think about how many chances you just got 850 chances that's a lot y'all 4,000 if my broken pathetic Human dad love for my kids easily allows 4,000. Y'all, think about the patience of God. It's more than 4,000. Here's how Hebrews puts it. Endure, verse 7 of chapter, I think it's 9. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. It may have taken a long time. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. With it, it in my life, Without fail, the people who are the most humble, the most loving, and the most gracious are the ones who have suffered the most. That God has worked through the suffering to bring them to himself. It's a tough lesson, y'all. The love of God is a refiner's fire. But it's also our hope. Our hope. That when we get the silly notions in our head that, you know what? I don't like who I am. I'm going to change myself. I got some bad habits or I've got some... My family has told me I'm a horrible jerk. <laughs> Our hope is that God can change us through His love in us and on us. Not because we have this amazing ability to kick in our willpower. Not at all. That's my final point. Transition. The gourd... So the gourd grows... And shows Jonah and us that God's love is unbelievably personal and, and, and it is unbelievably intimate. Then we learn about the fact that the gourd goes and we learn about the love of God being a refiner's fire. Finally, God has this conversation with Jonah and that's where I put the gourd shows. It's the final point in your outline. The gourd 
shows that the love of God is both powerful and that it has levels. This one's a little strange, but here we are. The love of God is powerful. This is, God is, again, super gentle with Jonah. He's like Jonah. You have this really personal, intimate love with a gourd. And and, and God's like, let's reason together. What did you do to cause that gourd to grow? And he's like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Silch. What did you do to make that gourd not grow, to die overnight? (laughs) Zilch. (laughs) There, There is a sense in which God is speaking to him, and he's saying, Jonah and us, I create and I sustain. And that is especially true for love. You're, I don't know if you've had situations in your life, I certainly have, where you're like, I can't do this. I can't forgive. I cannot love. I, I cannot go and do what I've been called to do. You don't have to. I really think that's the lesson that God is teaching Jonah here. My love is going to work in you so that it can work through you. Lean into my power, not your own. This love that I've given you, I'm the creator of it and I'm the sustainer of it and I'm going to work. Y'all, I saw this so potently and powerfully this week when I watched this video that someone sent me about this, um, this, the brother of this guy who was shot in his apartment by a cop. Did you see this? So there's this, if you didn't see it, there's this policewoman who accidentally, because she was really tired and whatever, she accidentally goes to the wrong floor in her apartment building. And she notices that the door is cracked. And it, I mean, if you notice the door cracked for your apartment, aren't you going to like bristle? The hair is going to start standing up on your neck. She's a cop. She's coming in from a long day at work. She reaches for her gun. And here's someone inside her apartment. It turns out it's this guy who's watching TV eating ice cream on his couch. And she walks in. Boom, boom. Blows him away. That's it. And there's this trial for it um, that went on throughout this past couple of weeks. And one of the concluding things that was actually after the trial had ended, she had been sentenced to prison the brother of the guy who was killed gets on the stand. You've got to go see this video afterwards if you haven't already seen it. And he says, I don't hate you for, for this loss, this taking away of my brother. I don't hate you and I don't want you to suffer. And you know what? I don't even want you to go to jail. Y'all, the, the judge was crying at this point. He's like, I forgive you. And then he asks the judge. He says, can I, can I give her a hug? And the judge is like, what? Everybody in the courtroom is just like, what is happening? And he gets up and the cop runs to him and embraces him and they share words. It is one of the most powerful pictures for me. Not of that kid's love. He was 18 years old but of God working in him and through him. I didn't see a guy walking up to hug a woman. I saw God at work in a person's heart. 
To be able to forgive the one who took your brother away, who was completely innocent. He worked at a church. Wow. I was just reminded when I saw that. I was like, that's God's love. That isn't human love. No one can do that. No one can forgive like that. But boy, God can work in someone and through someone in that very way. Who, who do you find it impossible to love? I really think that's what God is trying to get across to Jonah. Obviously, Jonah could not love Nineveh. God sends him to the bottom of the ocean, swallows him with a fish. He gets back out and God's like, I'm going to forgive Nineveh. And he's like, kill me. And he's like, I thought we already went through this. <laughs> Y'all, God's love is unbelievably powerful. If you need it for whatever you're facing, all we have to do is ask. And he gives it abundantly and freely. And finally, there is a hierarchy of loves. The scholars were confused, are confused a little bit, about the fact that this passage ends with, and all the cattle. Did you catch that? (laughs) And should I not pity Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. And also much cattle. (laughs) Um, There is a conclusion, and I agree with it completely, that this final passage is about the fact that God is saying to Jonah, Jonah, even, even if things were so bad in Nineveh that it was just cattle, I would save it for that. I love things. I love, I love my creation. That's what God is saying. And there's a hierarchy. This one, again, I was reminded of this week. God's like, look, Jonah, you pity a plant. Man, you're concerned for, you have an intimate love with a gourd. Can I not love a city full of people? In fact, can I not love the cattle in that very city? And God is saying to him, both of those things, the life that I bring into this world, both of people and of animals, is more important than the gourd. And the gourd had life too. God's like, look, I made you humans. I get you. You love inanimate objects. You do. Like, you love your smartphone. Matt Butner, I'm pointing you out. You can get mad at me later. He sent me a text this week of this article of this girl who won this contest from Coca-Cola and they were going to pay her, they are going to pay her $100,000. It's a millennial. I love millennials. One hundred. dollars if she can go a year without her smartphone. (laughs) I know, right? So she has a flip phone. And and the article talks about how wonderful it is for her. She has read 30 books and her her life is better and she has like real friends again. uh, That's literally what's in the article. And I was reminded, I was like, yep, that's us, Right? And here's, uh, this is, I'm going to conclude, that's us in the sense of, I'm really good at getting all the hierarchy of loves all messed up. Of like, God being the primary love that we're supposed to 
show in our lives. Then like people, because he loves people. I don't know if you didn't catch that from this passage. It's in there. He loves animals. He loves the creation that he created. He loves plants. And he loves stuff. We'll just say stuff. We'll just leave it in that a big category. And guess what? So do we. But guess what? We get it all twisted up and upside down. And we end up putting stuff. Ready? 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 Like this. God down here. Stuff up here. Smartphones up here. Our car up here. I don't know what, what they, donuts up here. I don't know what, what your kids are into. Have you let the personal love of God affect your personal love for others? Do you, do you love people? Is there, are you going after individuals or groups of people that you see being devalued in our society? This is a valid question coming from this passage. Who is it that you see where human life is being devalued? I think there is a call that we can get from this passage to return value to that place. I'll let you do the application on your own. Okay. Do you appreciate the discipline of God? Are you chafing even today under God's discipline? And does that need to change? How do you view discomfort in your life? Are you angry when anything, something bad happens to you? Okay. See, I'm going through these really fast. Um, If God's love is so powerful, application three, if God's love is so powerful, is there a worry? This is Jesus talking to us often about this. Or a fear in your life that you refuse to let God have the control over? Is there a worry or a fear? Again, if his love is so powerful, and if his love can work in us and through us, if we believe that, and I think it's here in this book of Jonah, what worry or fear do you, do you, you know you need to give up? It's time to throw it into God's hands and to let his love course through you once again. So that's third third one. Lastly, finally, um, what, oh, this is a tough one for me. This is a tough one for me. Number four. What object do you need to give up so that you can love the animals and the people in your life better? Mm, that one got me. What object do you need to give up so that you can love the animals and the people in your life better? Where do you have it inverted? The loves. The, the levels of loves. Um, Matt and I are still going to keep talking about giving up our, our, our smartphones. That's at least one for me. And, and finally, don't let this get stale as, as we come to the table. You've heard it so many times. They put it up at football games. You're going to see it this afternoon if you watch the NFL. John 3, what? Don't let that get stale. For God so loved the world. For God so loved loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Y'all, this right here, this table we're going to come to, is the ultimate picture of the love of God. My prayer is that you would be open to receive it today. Let's conclude with prayer.
Lord, I am absolutely like Jonah. And I know there's probably some others in here who are like Jonah too. Lord, we, I can mouth the words that you're a loving God, you're a gracious God, you're merciful, you're good, you do good things for people, Lord. But, oh man, it, I just, I, it's not worked into every area of my life. It's just not. And I, there might be some others in here who are in the same boat, Lord. I pray that today that you would begin just moving it down in whatever way you, you deem needed. Move it from our head into our heart that it might affect every single one of our emotions and that it might affect every single one of our actions, Lord. I pray that the love would just course out of us into this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.